This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We are discussing Nefesh HaChayim, and we are discussing Teshuvah. Teshuvah. So Teshuvah means repentance. And uh, last week we were discussing how the soul of a person is like an umbilical cord. It goes all the way up to Shemayim. The umbilical cord of a person goes all the way up to heaven. But when a person sins, they stain it. When a person sins, they stain their soul. There's a mark on the soul. So it's like, the rabbis say, it's like cloth. A person wears garments, and you're eating, and the food falls, and you make your dirty clothes. So what do we do? We have to put it in the wash. Or if it's wool, you've got to send it dry clean. It costs you money. Dry clean, it costs you money. But the same thing applies to the soul. When a person sins, the soul gets dirty. The soul gets stained. And not just the soul gets stained, but a person goes down one level. A person goes down. We feel a person going down. A person goes down. The soul goes down. So one part of the soul goes up. That's the neshama. It goes up. It doesn't get affected. The neshama never gets affected. It goes up. But the nefesh gets affected and is stained, and it goes down. However, how does a person fix it? And the answer is we do teshuva. person does teshuva. How does a person do teshuva? Rambam says you do what's vidui. Vidui is what we do every day. We bang our chest and we say the words, I did this and I did this. I'm sorry, Hashem. I'm sorry. I, number one is I admit. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. Three things. I admit. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And if a person does it truthfully from the depths of their heart, they can clean the soul. So that's, that's Teshua. Teshua has the power to clean the soul. And not only to clean the soul, but it also elevates the soul. So a person can be higher than what they were before. Imagine. So what's the analogy? The analogy is, if you remember, what I remember, I was a kid. I used to be a kid in, in London, growing up in London. And uh, I used to, we had a long drive to school. I was on a, was on a bus, school bus. Mm-hmm. And it's a very old school bus. It was, in the, it was in the 1960s, 70s. And the school bus was 1929. 1920s, the school bus was a bone shaker, a shake. And the driver was even older. The driver had his big mustache from the First World War. First World War, remember? He was a... Anyway, so there was a big hill on the way, and there's no way this bus could go up the hill. So what you do, you go speeding down the hill, speeding 80 miles an hour, and then barely make it up to the top of the hill. Barely made it up to the top. The Baruch Hashem made it up to the top. <laughs> Never failed. He always made it up to the top. It just... I don't know, he's speeding, the bus is shaking like, uh, and then, but he made it up, Baruch Hashem made it up. So same thing, analogy, is when a person sins, they're going down, but when they do Teshuvah, they can use that downhill's velocity to go up as well. I think the trick is they can go up even higher. Some people say that was the sin of Adam Harishon. Adam Harishon said, I want to sin and do Teshuvah this way, I'll serve God through Teshuvah. It's even a higher level. But it didn't work out because his teshuva didn't work. So that's the problem. So that's why it says a person should never sin with the idea to teshuva. But the power of teshuva causes kedusha, holiness from Hashem, to flow to the root of the neshama. And from the neshama it goes down to the ruach, from the ruach to the nefesh, until the nefesh is clean and purified. So a person's teshuva causes emanation of, of kedusha from Hashem. It causes some kind of radiation from Hashem of holiness, down through his neshama, through his nurach, and then back to the nefesh, where it cleans the nefesh of the person. So that's how it works. That's how teshuva works. And the nefesh is released and comes back up. So that's how the power of teshuva works.
So that's how Teshuvah of the Nefesh. Now, the Nefesh, we said, is action. It's that part of the soul is related to action. So a person does a bad action, a person needs Teshuvah of action, of the Nefesh. But if a person says bad speech, that does damage the Ruach. It's higher, much higher level. So a person says, Lashonara. A person says, you know, that person, he's not a nice person, I hate that person, I don't like that person, whatever. So it's, it's the Ruach, his, his Ruach is getting ruined. So when a person talks bad speech, it's the next level of the soul, which is the ruach of the soul, which is getting impure. And uh, slandering other people, or even not learning Torah. It's interesting. When a person learns Torah, the speech of the Torah fixes the ruach. When a person doesn't learn Torah, that speech, which was holy, is not there anymore. So in a, in a sense, he's ruining his, ne- his ruach. So what happens when the person ruins the ruach, the, even the nefesh is not getting enough sustenance. Because we said it's an umbilical cord. So the, the umbilical cord is getting, for example, the baby gets all, the, all the, uh, the nutrients from his mother. If something happens to the cord, the baby's suffering. It's not just the cord itself suffering, it's also the baby suffering. So if there's something wrong with the ruach, the nefesh is also suffering. The umbilical cord is something defect in the cord, and therefore the next part of the soul down is also suffering. It's amazing. So a person says bad speech, but he didn't do anything bad deeds. He didn't do bad, bad deeds. I didn't do anything wrong. I just spoke. So a person says, why should my nefesh, which is attached to deeds, suffer? And the answer is because the ruach, which is what I damaged, is not able to transfer the energy down to the nefesh. Because it's damaged. The ruach now is damaged. So that's very, tra- very tricky and very, very hard to understand. So a person sins with their ruach and they speak and they say something bad, they're not just ruining the Ruach, they're ruining everything below the Ruach, because the Ruach is the transmitter to things below it. The Ruach transfers the energy from higher to lower, and therefore since the, there's no energy coming from the Ruach, the Nefesh underneath is also such trouble. So the spiritual pollution brought by the sin on the Ruach, so it has, has to, now we have to reattach the Ruach, we have to refix the Ruach, and then attach it to the Nefesh, and fix the nefesh as well. So how does a person do that? And the answer is by saying good things. So it's very important to speak good about people, not to speak bad about people. So it's called Lashon Tov. There's Lashon Ara, which is bad speech. We said there's f- how many different levels of Lashon Ara, remember? Four levels of Lashon Ara. The lowest level is, we said, was sarcasm. Something which can be understood both ways. Someone walks in the room, you say, or you wink. And I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Or I say, such a nice person. What do you mean? You're being sarcastic? No, no, he's a nice person. So it can be understood both ways. It's called avak lashonara. It's the dust of lashonara. And then something which is absolute lashonara is something bad. It's true and it's bad. This person is a robber. It's true and bad, lashonara. If I say it's, it's not true, he is a robber. He's not a robber. That's called Mutsi Shemra. That's the worst level. So there's Avak Lashanara. There's Lashanara. And there's, there's Mutsi Shemra. And there's something else which is called Rechilut. Rechilut is number two, actually. The, low, the second lowest level is Rechilut, which is telling tales. I went there and I saw so-and-so. And I went there and I saw so-and-so. And he talked to me and he said this and he said that. Gossip. Gossip. So we have the lowest level is the dust of Lashanara, which is both ways. You can take it both ways. Then you have Gossip. Because you never know. I happened to me once. I came home and I said I saw so and so in the market in the in the in the yeah. mall. 
And his wife was very upset. What was he doing in the mall? He said he went to work. He said he went to the mall. So gossip is very dangerous because it causes troubles. Mm. Person's got to be careful what to say. Person, person shouldn't say, I saw this one, I saw that one, I did this and I did that. People say, oh, what's that guy doing there? He's meant to be at work. What's that guy doing there? What's that? He went to... So it's very important not to gossip. It can cause trouble. And then Lashon Aro, which is true and bad. And then Motsi Shemra, which is lies and bad. Lies and bad is the worst. Lies and bad is the worst. So now a person spoke Lashon Aro. They ruined, they hurt their, their Ruach. If they hurt their Ruach, the energy cannot come down to the Nefesh. So what does a person do? So the answer is good speech. A person's got to say good speech and do Teshuvah. A person's got to do good speech and do Teshuvah. And that fixes that problem. Now the other level is a Neshama. We said the Neshama is attached to thoughts. A person has bad thoughts. How does a person have bad thoughts? For example, he thinks, I want to rob the bank. I don't want to rob the bank, but I'm just, just saying, give an example. A person has bad thoughts. He wants to rob the bank. So he's thinking, how am I going to rob the bank? How am I going to do this? Where are the police? Where's the cameras? Where's this? Who's going to help me? He's planning everything. All bad thoughts. That's bad thoughts. So bad thoughts ruin his Neshama, which is the highest level of the Neshama. He causes this, the radiant sparks of Neshama that hover above the head to depart. How does he bring it back? By immersing themselves in Torah study. A person really immerses themselves in study, will bring back the neshama, and it will radiate back into the ruach and the nefesh. It restores everything to perfection. So that's the highest level is Torah study. Torah study can cleanse the whole soul. Can cleanse the whole soul. So, uh, how do women... Now, women don't have the mitzvah of Torah studies. How do they do it? And the answer is, when they send their husbands to learn Torah, they're getting the merits. cleanses their soul as well. And the, the soul of the, the Torah spreads through the family. The Torah, the Torah spreads through the family. Now, there's another way, which is a shortcut. There's a shortcut to teshuva. There's a shortcut to repair the soul. And that is, very interesting, the Gemara says in Shabbat, it says... Whoever says, Amen, Rabbi, the Kaddish, breaks all the decrees. A person says, Amen, Rabbi. What does that mean, Amen, Rabbi? So, Amen is, it's true. I, I agree with this. It's true. Number two, it means, it should happen. If it's a prayer for something, Amen means, it should happen. So, Amen, may God's name be great. It's very topical because next week is Pasha Zachor. May God's name be great in this world. A person says, may God's name be great. Great. I agree. When a person says Kaddish, and they answer, Amen, Yehesh, Shemeh, Rabbah, May God's name be great. It breaks all decrees against the person. Imagine. There's decrees in heaven against the person. They say, Hashem's name should be great with all their intention, with all their concentration. It breaks the decrees. How does that work? So the woman don't have this opportunity. Yeah, of course. She comes on Shabbat. She hears the Kaddish. She says, Amen, Yehesh, Shemeh, Rabbah. Tremendous, tremendous power. Tremendous power. So what's going on? What do you mean make God's name be great? I mean God's name is small? What do you mean God's name will be great? And the answer is, we're going to read next week, Parshat Zachor. Parshat Zachor talks about Amalek. Amalek was this nation who came and attacked the Jews. The Jews came out of Egypt. And the whole world is talking about miracles. Wow, Hashem is great. Look at this, Hashem is great. Their God is so great. He made ten plagues in Egypt. And then they heard about the crossing of the sea and, and how, the, how the split the sea and the Egyptians died in the sea. Wow, God is so great. And then Amalek comes and attacks us. 
And even though they beat Amalek, he killed some Jews. And then, then the people started saying, God is not so great, because of Amalek. So before, that, before Amalek came along, God's name was great. Amalek came along, and God's name became small again. And that's why we're praying that God's name will be great in the world. That the whole world should come to God's name. And then when God, everyone recognizes God, God's name will be great. That's what we're praying for. May God's name be great. And may all the world recognize Hashem and His name. And that's what makes Hashem great. When a person does that, when a person says these words, with all their concentration, with all their might, it says that all the evil decrees are torn. Even a person who worshipped idols, he's forgiven. Imagine. I mean, it's such a powerful, it's such a powerful praise. And a person, when a person blesses Hashem's name, they cause holiness to be added to their soul. Okay. So from the roots of the soul to the neshama, from the neshama to the ruach, from the ruach to the nefesh, and all the sins are eradicated. It's amazing, very powerful. So can you imagine one line. It's like Shema. Shema Shema is such a powerful one line. Such a powerful line to recognize God as one. To bring unity into the world and to praise God. These are very powerful. They can change a person's life. These things can change a person's life. A person says it properly. A person realizes what they're saying. Understands what they're saying. This can change their life. Can erase all their sins and attach them to the holy, holy sources. Attach them to the holy sources. So it's very, very powerful. There are shortcuts to Shiva. So one of the long cuts is do Teshuvah. I'm not going to say I'm sorry, I'll never do it again, and withstand a trial, and then I'll do Teshuvah. And that can repair the damage. But there's a shortcut, which is Amen Yashem Very powerful shortcut that brings back the holiness of person lost and breaks all the decrees against them. Mm-hmm. Yes? With regard to like saying your new the third thing was the Torah study. third yeah. thing is Torah study. Person immerses himself in the Torah. The Torah itself can bring back all the holiness in a person. The answer is there's different levels if I won't do it again. Yeah. Obviously, Hashem knows. We don't know. Yeah. But it depends on that actual time where they said it. If they said, I'll never do it again, and at that time, Hashem knows they'll never do it again. At that time, their commitment was 100%, mm-hmm. even though they did it again later on. Mm-hmm. At that period, they got to Shiva. But what if it's like you think they might do it again then? That's not 100%. How can you be, like, so it's, and what should the shoes be then? It's what 50%, the shoes whatever it depends. It depends on the, on the commitment. 80% commitment, 80% teshuva. No, but like, should any statement be made then? I mean, like... Lean in it, Hashem, of course. You pray to Hashem, say it be. With your help, Hashem, I'll never do it again. So that's, that's the best way to say it. Our trouble is we're human beings. That's our trouble. And Hashem knows we're human beings. We're all human beings. We have... Every human being falls. The trick is to keep climbing. The trick is you fall, you get up and you climb. You don't fall and give up. That's the difference between a tzaddik and a rasha. Rasha says, I fell, I give up. I'm not going to be, I can't do this. I can't keep it. A tzaddik says, I'll try again. I'll try again tomorrow. I'll try again tomorrow. Every day we try. A new, new, new opportunity. Every day we get a new soul. So every day we have a new opportunity to try. And every day should be better than the previous day. And if it can't be better... The next day I'll be better. If I can't do it now, I'll do the next day. And that's a big difference because that's the difference between a person who's depressed and a person who's a positive approach. An optimist will say, listen, today I failed. I'm a human being. What can I do? I'm a human being. Well, tomorrow I'll try better. There's another hope. Tomorrow is another hope. A person gets depressed, the worst thing. It's impossible. Give up hope. We said, Elisha bin Abuya gave up hope. I can't do the shuvah. It's impossible. If he gives, once you give up hope, 
they have no future. A person gives up hope, has no future. If the Jewish people would say, it's impossible, we give up hope, there'll be no Jews today. Very simple. So we can't. We have to keep on going. And the person says, I believe in God, and God will help me. And that's emunah. That's emunah, which will help so, a person. Why do people have a lot of depression? Why people have a lot of depression? Because I told you, they give up hope. Once you give up hope, they don't see hope in life. The person's not a happy person. No, he's not optimistic. You know what optimistic means? They don't have hope. And that's why... I don't want to go into that, but Hatikva, the main thing is to have hope in life. If a person believes in God, you have hope. Hashem can help you. A person doesn't believe in God, that's the answer. People don't believe in God. There's no God, there's no hope. Who's going to help you? Nature's going to help you. The plant's going to help you, the tree's going to help you. Who's going to help you? Mm-hmm. That's the famous Gemara about this Eliezer ben Dodia. He, he starts saying, you know, the, the moon should help me, the sun should help me, the heart of the mountain should help me. They said, we can't help you. We can't even help ourselves. Only God can help you. Okay, i got to help myself, and God will help me. So that's it. A person doesn't believe in God, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. A person believes in God, there's hope. Only Hashem can give us a person hope. So it depends on the level of emunah. Emunah means belief. The more you trust in God, the more hope there is. The less trust in God, the less hope it is. Imagine. A person has a, say, let's give an example. You have a car. And you want to fill up the car with gas. The analogy is you are the car and the gas is hope and trust in God. So according to trust in God, that's how far a person can go. A person doesn't trust in God, won't go very far. The doctor says, you've got a terrible illness, you're going to die. And the guy says, I don't believe in you, I believe in God. <laughs> Big difference. Massive difference. The person says, I believe in the doctor, he'll die. He'll die. A person says, I don't believe in the doctor, I believe in Hashem. It's a totally different picture. Totally different picture. So it makes a big difference. A person has hope and trust in Hashem has the power to keep on going. A person who doesn't have hope doesn't have trust in Hashem. It's very simple. So the two are linked. You trust in Hashem, you have hope. You trust in Hashem, nothing to help you. And this is one of the big problems in America today. Suicides. Depression. Why? People don't believe in God. It's very obviously there's a there's a medical aspect. I'm not talking about the medical aspect. I'm talking about people who are normal people, and they're doing normal jobs and they're very successful. And they say, "I don't want to do it anymore. I just want to keep up." They don't realize there's no giving up in this world. <laughs> you can't give up. There's no the suicide of the body. There's no suicide of the soul. <laughs> Person ends up on the other side, and God says, "What happened to you? Where? Are, why are you here? You should be back in there. <laughs> you came too early." So it's a big problem. People don't realize that. It's from the frying pan to the fire. People think you're going to escape. There's no escape. There's no escape from God. There's no escape. A person can't escape. So we have to be here and make the best of it. We're here. Let's make the best of it. Let's enjoy life. It's very important to enjoy life. I, I ask this because before all people that killed himself, all people, but today... Till today. People. Young people also, yeah. yeah. That's right. It's worse. Young people much worse. Much worse. Crazy. Yeah. There's no hope. Why is there no hope? No God. This woman said uh, last, last week, Ocasio Cortez, I don't should I quote her? I don't think I should quote her. But she said, we should stop having children. You know what she says? Mm-hmm. Because the world's going to get destroyed. We're destroying the world, so we should stop having children. So let us stop having children. I agree. I don't know. So, but uh, we have hope. We have hope. Hashem is still there. We know Mashiach will come. We know there's going to be a future. We know. We know. It's not like we believe. We know. It's definitely going to happen. And we're seeing it. 
because the predictions are coming true. After 2,000 years, the predictions are coming true. The Jews are going back to Israel. It's a miracle. Imagine. But can you imagine being a Jew in 1940s? It was the worst time to be a Jew. Imagine. 1939, 1940, 1941, 1942, 1943, 1944, 1945. The worst time in history to be a Jew. And then three years later, the whole thing changes. Number two, we talked about high-level teshuva, which is learning Torah. Number three, we talked about saying good things, fixing the speech, saying good things about people. Sometimes it's better not to talk at all. That also fixes speech by not talking. Everyone's chatting and gossiping, and you keep away. You don't talk, you don't listen. It's not such a good idea to get together, then people start gossiping and, and talking about this one and that one. And that was Sometimes it's better to keep away. And then we talked about learning Torah and what else? And saying Kaddish. Amen, These words are very powerful, can break all the decrees. So these words are very important. We talked about Shabbat, also very powerful to break all the decrees on a person. Why? Because when you link yourself to Hashem, everything else falls away. So how do we link ourselves to Hashem? So by answering the Kaddish, you link yourself to Hashem and you're praising God in the world. Listen, what is our mission in the world? What, what, what are we doing in the world? The answer is we're trying to bring God into the world. How do you bring God into the world? It doesn't mean you have to stand on the street and start shouting, Hey guys, Hashem is here! Believe in Hashem! No. If each one of us just says Shema, we bring God into the world. Every time you say Shema, Hashem's unity is proclaimed in the world doesn't matter if people are listening or not listening. You're bringing God into the world personally. Hashem is here. Wherever you mention His name, He says, I will come and bless you. So by, by just by mentioning His name, by saying a bracha, by saying Shema, by doing mitzvot, we're bringing God into the world. Okay. When a person learns Torah for the sake of learning Torah, in order to keep everything that's written in the Torah, the whole body is purified. Imagine, it's like a mikvah. A person says, I'm learning Torah. Why am I learning Torah? Number one is, it's a mitzvah to learn Torah. Number two is, because I want to learn what to do. Number three is, I want to learn what to teach. Three levels of learning Torah. Right? So a lot of people learn Torah. Why are you learning Torah? I don't know. I'm Jewish. I learn Torah. That's not a good reason. Number one is, I'm learning because there's a mitzvah to learn. Number two is, there's a mitzvah to keep the Torah. But if I don't know how to do it, how am I going to keep it? Number three is there's a mitzvah to teach other people. So we have three mitzvot when learning Torah. When a person learns Torah, he says, the whole body is purified. How do we know? Bilam says, Matovu alecha Yaakov mishkinata Israel. How goodly are your tents. Your tent is where we are now. This is the tent. This is God's tent. This is the tent. The Beit HaVidrash is the tent. Bilam says, How goodly are your tents, Jacob? What is your tent? Your tent of learning Torah. Because the tent is, now you're learning Torah over here, it's like the Torah is all around you. It's like a mikvah. We're surrounded by Torah. The Torah comes inside a person. So they're surrounded by holiness all around them and they're purified. And then he continues, Matovu Yaakov, 
Ke? Ke? Quickly. He compares it to streams. Bilam compares it to a stream. What's the connection? The rabbis ask, what's the connection between the Torah and a stream? And the answer is, just like a stream is a mikvah, the Torah is also a mikvah. So streams can bring a person out from impurity to purity. The tent where the Torah is studied can bring a person from a, t- a state of guilt to a state of merit. And just like a person's entire body is uplifted and cleansed when they are engrossed in Torah study, when we learn Torah, it's not just we're getting higher, all the worlds above us are getting higher. We're pushing everything up. It's like a, it's like a rocket. Imagine, today they're building rockets. The Americans, you know, they had a big problem. Can you imagine, the Americans had to pay the Russians to put things in space. They never had rockets. Great, I can't believe this. Imagine. So it cost $80 million to put something in space. $80 million. So now the American companies, SpaceX and others, they're building their own rockets now. Just starting now. They said, instead of paying the Russians, we'll pay our, our people. We'll pay American companies instead of paying the Russians. But we don't understand. There's, there's a rocket in the physical world and there's a rocket in the spiritual world. What is the rocket in the spiritual world? How do we elevate ourselves spiritually? Torah. Torah is the rocket. Torah is the rocket that, that elevates a person from a state of guilt to a state of merit. And just like a person's body is uplifted and cleansed when we learn Torah, he says all the worlds above us also. When a person serves God, he doesn't have in mind to elevate and cleanse his own body and soul. His whole intention is to exalt and noble the holy higher worlds. Hear that? In other words, the highest level of serving God is Lishma. What is Lishma? Purely for the sake of God. So now he has another twist on Lishma. What is the twist of Lishma? It's not just for the sake of God. It's for the sake of all the worlds above. It's not for me. I'm doing this to raise everything above me. All the worlds above me should be raised another level. Everything should, the whole world should be raised. He said that was the way of the patriarchs, our forefathers, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, would do a mitzvah in order to raise all the worlds. And all the early tzaddikim served Hashem in order to raise the worlds. In other words, they weren't doing it for their own sake. So we, we learned Torah. It makes me feel good. It makes you feel good. It lifts you up. Gives you, gives you, gives you hope. Gives you pleasure inside. Fills the soul. But they didn't do it for that. They did it for the sake of the worlds above. We can't see. We're not in touch. We can't see these worlds. So the Gemara says in Yoma, Our forefather Abraham kept the told Torah, even before it was given. So even before they were commanded, they kept the Torah. Why? Because they could see how the worlds above could be benefited from the Torah. It's very amazing. Conversely, they realized how much harm and devastation would come if they did not learn Torah. So the same reason, Noah brought an offering after the flood. He took only pure kosher animals. So the famous question is, the laws of kosher were not given. How do you know which animals are kosher, which animals are not kosher? So we see that he already knew. Because he learned Torah before the Torah was given. He already knew the laws of kosher animals, not kosher. Amazing. So that's why it says uh, that Yaakov, you know, learned in the yeshiva of Shem and Eber, Noah's children. In other words, they knew the Torah was not given, but they could see. I mean, how do they see this? They had a link to the worlds above and they could see already what we do down here pulls strings to the worlds above. That's how they saw it. Mm. So by knowing the higher root of each animal, hard to imagine, right? It was, they, didn't, they didn't see the, co- whether the, they didn't get the Torah to know which animals are kosher or not. 
They looked at the soul of the animal, and by looking at the soul of the animal, they could tell which one's kosher, which one's not. So the ones that they saw rooted in holiness, they saw kosher. The ones that are not rooted, we don't see this. But the Torah tells us this is tame. Tame means it's defiled. What do you mean defiled? Its root in the world above is a non-kosher place. And the kosher animal's root in the world above is a kosher animal. It's wild, wild. So the patriarchs and the, the prophets before them could see. They didn't get the Torah. How could they see? And they, they knew the soul. They could see the souls of everything. They could see the soul of... The kosher animals has a holy place, and they can see the souls of non-kosher animals as a bad place. So the question is, why was the Torah not given to the forefathers? Why did the Torah take 26 generations? So it's 10 generations from Adam, Adam to Noah. 10 generations. Right? From Noah to Abraham, 10 generations. And then from Abraham to Moshe, 6 generations. The truth is much less. Why? Because if you work it out, Noah, uh, Adam saw Metushelach. Metushelach was the grandfather of Noah. Right? Metushelach saw Noah. So that's only three generations. Even though it's ten generations literally, it's only three generations. And Noah saw Shem, and Shem saw Abraham. So it's only three generations as well. And Abraham saw Yaakov, and Yaakov saw Levi, and Levi saw Moshe. So how many generations is that? Three. Nine. Nine. Three, three, three. Oh, yeah. Levi saw Moshe? Yeah. Levi's daughter was? Sechavet. So there's only three generations. Levi, Yochavet, Moshe. So... It's, 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 not, it's less than 26. We say 26 generations from Adam to Moshe is less. So the question is, why did the forefathers not get the Torah? Why did Hashem wait for Moshe Rabbein to get the Torah? That's the question. Okay. So, a very, very interesting question and very strange answer. Strange answer. So, first of all, if the patriarchs kept the entire Torah, Yaakov Avinu could not marry two sisters. If the Torah was given, he couldn't marry two sisters. So he couldn't marry Rachel and Leah because they're sisters. He can't marry two sisters. Number two is Moshe Rabbeinu's father and mother were related. How are they related? Moshe Rabbeinu's father was Amram, who was the nephew of Yochebed. Yochebed was his aunt. A man is not allowed to marry his aunt in the Torah. So you wouldn't have Moshe Rabbeinu. So it's, it's wild. So why was the Torah not given? Because then Yaakov can't marry two sisters, and Amram can't marry his aunt. And Yaakov in his soul, according to the roots of his soul, that the higher words would benefit greatly if he married Rachel and Leah. He, met, he understood the two sisters were destined to be the mothers of the house of Israel. For this reason, he was willing to suffer slaving for Lavan day and night for 20 years to marry them. Because he could see in the worlds above the benefit the world will get by marrying Rachel and Leah. Amazing. So he's willing to, to work for 20 years. Imagine, day and night, 20 years for this. Similarly, Amram married his aunt. He knew that she was going to be the mother of Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. This is one of the reasons why the Torah is not given to the patriarchs. Amazing. Think about it. This is wild. What came first, the chicken or the egg? So Hashem waited for these things to happen before He gave the Torah. 
This is what. And the fact that Cain married a sister also. I mean, this is what. The whole world is based on these things. So the Torah was not given yet, so these things could happen. <laughs> Obviously, Hashem could have done it some other way. Why, why Hashem? Very interesting. This was pre-programmed into the world. This was pre-programmed the world. Um, there's another simple explanation. The simple explanation is the forefathers didn't need the Torah. They could sense the Torah. They knew how to behave without the Torah. It's like a genius, right? A genius can, can be a genius without going to college. He can discover things. I don't know. He learns things by himself, like Einstein, without going to college. Did he go to college? Eventually he went to college. But I'm saying a person can be a genius, a natural genius, without going to college. And then you have people who are not natural geniuses. They need to go to college. They go through education. They do system. They go through a system. So the forefathers were spiritual geniuses. They didn't need the Torah. But we're not spiritual geniuses. We need the Torah. We need to learn the Torah. Ever since Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Torah down to earth, it's no longer in heaven. Therefore, no person, however great their understanding, can say, I know the roots of my soul, and therefore I'm allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do this. Why? Because now it's here, and it's in black and white, and you can't, you can't change it. Once there, you can't go up higher than the Torah and say, I'm going to do it. I see the roots of my soul, I can do this. And that's what Shabbatai Tzvi did. Or whatever he was meant to do. He said, I see spiritually I should be doing this. Even though the Torah says like this, let's do something else. We're not allowed to do that because the Torah is now with us. We have the Torah. We're guided by the Torah. So no prophets are allowed to make new laws. Once the Torah was given, no prophets are allowed to make new laws. Okay, we're going to stop here. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.